Hey, Larry here, Acts 29 today, coming to you from somewhere in the world. I'd like to welcome all my listeners in the world to this edition. Acts 29 today, where you don't have to wait five minutes, three minutes, two minutes, or even one minute. Because Acts 29 today starts right now. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition. Hey, we're going to just jump right into some stuff here. I know it's uh, it's been a while. Yeah, we're in a smoky season now. And uh, so it kind of irritates my throat even more. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So we, uh, we just carry on. So, yeah, it's been a while. I've been fine. Just been spending a lot of time with the Lord and some new stuff that he's doing in my life. And it's been really good. So I've been devoting a lot of time to, to that. And so I've just been letting everything else kind of go. But uh, so today, I just want to talk real quick about uh, divergence or convergence. And what I mean is the ecclesia, the believers, the saints, the called out ones, the church... Not a building, but the church. And the reason I have to explain this every time is in the beginning is so that people that think the church is that building over there on the corner can get this truth that the church is not a building. It's a people. It's the people of God who've been called out and separated from the world. So the ecclesia... The church has always been called out of the world, out of the world system, out of the world order. But now that world system and order is at the point where it's, it has become much more visible. And so, you know, they used to kind of hide behind the bushes and sneak things and say certain little things by code and so that only some people would understand what they were talking about but now they've you know satan's whole system has come out in the open and they've showed themselves for what they are so convergence will start there first uh is the act of converging and especially moving towards union or uniformity as in three rivers, the convergence of three rivers. So you have three separate rivers, and when they come together into one river, that's a convergence. So these three rivers have converged into one. It's a coming together in agreement. And that's what the world system is doing Nowadays, it's trying to come together in an agreement. 
led by none other than the old Satan himself. Divergent, on the other hand, means moving or extending in different directions from a common point, diverging from each other. So our common point was when we were born the first time, we all had that common point of being born in the flesh. But when we were born a second time, we diverged in different directions from that place. And we went on a separate path, a divergent path, differing from each other or from a standard. means unlike in kind or character. It can imply a little more than separateness, but it may also imply, imply contrast or contrariness. Divergent implies movement away from each other and the unlikelihood of an ultimate meeting or reconciliation. So, being divergent for us means that uh, it's very unlikely that we will ever meet or reconcile with the old world again, because that will not happen. So, basically, what you can put in your head is that divergent is to proceed in different directions. And that's what we're doing. We have diverged from this world system and, and this world's way. So then the word says, do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's through the word. And so we have a, what we call a metamorphosis. And one of the best ways to see this is, first, the definition of metamorphosis is to go from an immature form to an adult form. Okay, so the caterpillar is the immature form, and it goes through a transformation process where actually the old body of the caterpillar dies and this new body, the butterfly, is born out of that. And only God, you know, could have, <laughs> could have DNA'd that caterpillar crawling on the ground to uh, go through a transformation and fly away as a beautiful butterfly. And that is a, an amazing transformation. And, you know, who saw that a big tree that birds would be able to build nests in the branches of would come from the smallest of seeds, the mustard seed? Well, God did. We think of the mustard tree in the West, you know, and it's just a small bush. You know, maybe it gets to two foot, three foot high. But in Israel, uh, it's a tree. 
and it has branches and and uh, it, it can grow to be 12 to 15 feet or more high. I, you know, it becomes a real regular, like a tree that the birds do nest in. So who saw when we were born from above the second time by the word of God, the seed the completed image of Jesus Christ that would grow, that it would grow into, well, God did. That's why that seed was planted in us. Because that seed would grow into the completed image of Jesus Christ that was on the inside of the seed. So that we would go from an immature baby believer to an adult believer through that metamorphosis, that transformation, where the world is dead to us and we are dead to the world. Our positional standing in Christ, we were crucified with Christ. We died. Nevertheless, we live, but the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for us. So Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I talked like a child, I acted like a child. But now that I'm grown up and am an adult, I have put childish things away. So one of the major things that we have today is immaturity in the body. You know, a lot of people have been around for 20, 30, 40 years in the faith, but they never grew up spiritually. And so, you know, they still think like children, talk like children, and act like children. And that's, you know, one of the big issues today. And that's why there's so much dissension and deception and, you know, people following celebrity men and, you know, just all this stuff, materiality, especially the prosperity pirates, that's all, that's all childishness stuff. <clears throat> you know, you see children and they grab from each other and they want to take their toys and, you know, that's childish thinking and they want everything. So, you know, a lot of this stuff we see I used to get so upset because I went through the whole prosperity pirate thing. I was, I was on the ship and training to be a captain, and and uh, thank God through the Word and the Holy Spirit, you know, I uh, what do they call that when they oh mutiny? I mutinied. <laughs> I didn't really mutiny. I just I I just got the boat and got off the ship one day, quietly rowed away from that whole mess. But a lot of this stuff is childishness stuff. So, you know, don't get too upset over a lot of this stuff that you see and hear. And a lot of these people, you know, they probably would have been better off going to Hollywood than, than into the ministry. <clears throat> so, but don't get too upset over all that childish stuff because, you know, we look at children and they're children. And so they're playing with stuff and talking like children. And so, 
you know, we don't get upset with them and say, what's the matter with you, you know? Uh, because they're children. And of course, the sad thing is, is, you know, by now, they should be teaching one another. They should be able to teach, but instead of being able to teach one another the word, Paul said, I got to go back and start all over with the basics of the faith because you don't know how to talk yet. You're still children, acting like children. So, you know, I just kind of let all that stuff go because it's childish stuff and I don't, you know, I don't hang out with all the childish stuff anymore because <clears throat> when you get to be an adult, you put the childish things away. Not, not that I'm there. I'm just saying I've grown out of some of that stuff. So, see, the critical time is in the cocoon itself. That's the place of transformation. And depending on what happens there is what determines what comes out of the other side of the cocoon. And it is possible to abort even while you're in that process of transformation. You know, because the place of transformation is not in the outer court. You know, it's not where everything's happening and where all the big meetings are going on and everybody's praising and going crazy, you know. No, that's, that's not the place of transformation. Transformation is when you end up in a place where there's nobody else. Nobody else. And nothing is working. And nothing is going the way you thought it would. And your vision has died. And you're in this place. And you're going, wow, this place is so lonely. And it's dark. In fact, it's really depressing. So a lot of people say, well, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in that kind of a place. It wasn't this bad crawling around on the ground. You know, and so they, they back out of the cocoon and crawl back down the tree and continue crawling on the ground because they didn't go through the transformation process. Or we can understand that this is actually the place and the process of growing up into adulthood and maturity and transformation into the exact image that is in the DNA of the seed that was planted in us at the new birth when we became partakers of his divine nature. And in ancient times, that word nature literally meant birth. We became partakers of his divine birth. We were born spiritually with his divine qualities and disposition. So he's our father, and we now have his DNA, which stands for divine nature activated. Now, most people thought DNA stands for do nothing at all, <laughs> but it really stands for divine nature activated. So, this is where it gets down to us individually. 
And I just want to tell you, you might as well know that as a believer born a second time, you have the capacity now to go into God and get all that you could ever want, imagine, or desire, never-ending. Now, there was a movement, a sensational movement, we call it, uh, some years ago, and the gold dust and the diamonds and, you know, all this kind of stuff, and people were always crying out, more, more, more. That was like the word of the hour, more. Well, you know, the thing is, is the more was already available. We don't have to ask for more. There's nothing more that God can do for us or that Jesus has ever done for us. It's all it's already done. Everything's finished. Jesus said it's finished. It was finished. There isn't any more. The more is already there. The question isn't more. The question is, will I go into and get more of God. It's all available. Everything is available because of our new nature. So the question is, will I, will I ever get past the wall of flesh? Because flesh is the only thing that will stop us from entering in to those deeper places with God. The flesh, distractions, all this stuff. So, individually, we can go as far as we want into God. It doesn't matter what anybody else does or says. We can go there. And that's one of the big things that we've missed in this present, you know, operation of of, of church is that people think that oh they got saved you know and then maybe baptized in water maybe baptized in the Holy Spirit got their prayer language you know and now <clears throat> and now you know we go sit in a pew on Sunday morning and throw some money in the hat and listen to one person tell us about the word very limited that's a very limited addition folks so, if we were to stay in that setting, just going to a building on Sunday morning, uh, we would never grow up. We would never grow up in, in the God. Never. Because it's going to take a lot more time and effort in the Word, in the Spirit, and, and all the other pillars of truth that God has for us. To do that, we're going to have to go there in private, individually. So the question is, will we water the seed? Will we let the sun shine upon it, S-O-N? Will we take part in the things that will cause spiritual growth? That's the question. The more is available. The question is, will I go get more? Will I go get more? That's all it comes down to. And the only thing between us and the more is a wall of flesh. And we know how to 
break through that and get above it, Jude 20. Or will we let Satan come immediately and steal the seed and the word by force? Now, this comes out of Mark 4, of course. And when we read this, we kind of think, well, this is just, you know, kind of a one-time thing. You know, the sower went out and sowed the word. But this, this, isn't, this isn't just a one-time jaunt in the countryside throwing some seed out. You know, this is, this is every day for us, everyday life. Every day when we go to the Word. Every day when we go to the Word. Satan will try and come immediately and steal that seed. The Word that we plant in our hearts. He comes immediately. See, he's not just sitting around on his iPhone while you walk by with the Bible, reading two or three hours a day, and meditating in the Word and assimilating the Word that's going to change your life forever. No, he, he isn't sitting there on his iPhone, you know, playing uh, Farmville while you're getting built up in the Word. Oh, no. No, he comes. When does he come? Next week? After it has a chance to sprout? No, he comes immediately, immediately, and says, hey, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's for those people. That's not for you. Oh, that's not going to work for you. Oh, that doesn't mean you. Oh, all that passed away, you know. Oh, that's, that's all nonsense. Or, when troubles or persecution arise, on account of the word, Troubles and persecution. When troubles and persecution arise, they arose on account of the word. Because there's a battle going on. Remember, it's, it's, this is a battleground, not a playground. So these people, when troubles and persecutions arise on account of the word, they are immediately offended become displeased, indignant, resentful, and stumble and fall away. Okay, and I've seen this happen, sadly, a lot. Or, people can let the worries of this life, the distractions of this age, the pleasure and the delight and the false glamour and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things other than the spiritual things that we need to be doing to cause spiritual growth. Those desires for other things can, how do they come in? Creep in. Creep in. They didn't break the door down, okay? They didn't fall through the roof. They crept in, crept in. That means like a cockroach creeps in under the screen door and does his stuff. These things creep in, but they choke and suffocate the word, making it unfruitful.
So in Galatians, Paul said, as 1, 3, and 4, Grace and spiritual blessing be to you, and soul peace from God the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah, who gave himself up to atone for our sins, who took our place for our sins, to save and sanctify us. Sanctify means to separate, to separate us, in order to rescue and deliver us from this present wicked age and world order in accordance with the will, purpose, and plan of God and Father and our Father. This present wicked age and world order. Wow, Paul talking about the world order back in Galatians. Amazing, huh? So, here's a couple things that will greatly affect people's decisions to take the mark of the beast. Number one is fear. They will be afraid of not being able to buy or sell. But perfect love casts out all fear. The first test in Gideon's army was let the fearful and trembling go home. Out of 32,000 volunteers that showed up, 22,000 went home because of fear and trembling. The majority of people, including so-called Christians, will take the mark out of fear. What are they afraid of? They love their own lives and will not lay them down for Christ's sake because they are afraid to die. The second test revealed selfishness, <clears throat> and I talked in detail about that at other times. 9,700 others failed that test and had to go home, leaving just 300, which were impossible odds. But that's the way God likes to do things, because then we put our trust in God, not in man. So many of the so-called Christians today are just living in selfishness. They're living their best life now, and they will certainly not give that up in the face of certain death by not taking the mark. The last two years has shown us so much, and how many have drank the Kool-Aid propaganda, including many prominent so-called Christian leaders. It's amazing the level of deception that's out there. If believers don't feed more on the Word of God than they do on the propaganda of man and be spiritually prepared for what is already here and coming soon, how will they ever stand? Most world leaders and influencers are in darkness. They are demon-possessed, geniuses in their own right, Sometimes, And when I talk about demon-possessed, you know, many people think, oh, that's the guy out in the middle of the intersection, half-naked, frothing at the mouth. Yeah, probably so. And in the insane asylums. Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, there are demon-possessed people who are wearing three-piece satin suits that look like a million bucks. 
and they're sitting in a high-rise somewhere putting out what you're going to be watching on TV tonight. What's going to be in the next movies? What's going to be in the next political arena? The next sports arena? There, there's, there's leaders and influencers who are demon-possessed. They're not frothing at the mouth, folks. They're looking like a million bucks. You think the Antichrist is going to be frothing at the mouth and have a tail and horns? No, he'll be the slickest thing that ever came on the planet. Because everybody's going to follow this guy. So these people are demon-possessed. They've only been born one time. Human flesh nature, human flesh birth, without God, lost and undone in this world of darkness. And whenever they say, we, in their propaganda talks, like Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, whenever these folks talk about we, and they always do, they say, oh, you know, we, we just need the, the, the new world order. We just have to have the new world order. Well, when he says we, we need a reset. We need a new world order. The we they are talking about are the ones who are in agreement with them. And that, my friend, does not include we who have been born a second time from above and are completely separated from the present world order. So, what are we going to do? <laughs> well, we have a choice. We can either keep watching the the blues, news, lamestream media, world influencers every night on TV, or we can shut off the garbage. We can get out of all of those BS systems, broken systems, and we can flood our minds and hearts and souls and spirits with spiritual truth spiritual truth that will keep us sound in that truth, in that freedom from anything and everything that's coming on this world. Because there's people that are prepping for hunger, they got a whole closet full of food, there's people who are prepping for violence, they got 10 guns and 500 bullets, and there's people prepping for, you know, the communist takeover and they've got an escape plan and a bag ready to go at any time. You know, they're prepping for everything. But we need to be prepping spiritually. We need to be prepping spiritually because that is our only, it's our only hope, folks. That's our only hope. So, 
that's it for today because I'm not going to the metaverse. I'm going to the Bible verse. So this is Larry Axe 29 today. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. And we will catch you on the next one.